Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys and gals out to the live Q&A with yours truly, where it's my goal to help you grow spiritually for God's optimal use and to help you make sense of your life. So I just want to give you guys an opportunity to come into the chat. What's going on, Christopher? Hope y'all are doing exceptionally well. And for those who's watching later or listening later, later, whether on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or YouTube, want to say thank you all so much for listening on those streams. I, I'm glad that these materials, I've been getting a lot of emails from you all, comments, saying how these materials have been blessing you guys, helping y'all out. I'm so glad that they are. If you're new to this channel, my name is Coach Josh, a.k.a. Josh Wazzy. And like I said before, I'm here to help you grow spiritual for God's optimal use. If you feel that these materials that I'm giving, resources, insight, that I'm giving as a benefit or a blessing to you, feel free to subscribe, hit the bell. And for those who's been um, rocking me for some time and haven't joined the Unpluggers community, what are you waiting on? Come on over and make sure you hit the bell because no man, no woman knows the hour. When Coach Josh is going to do a live Q&A. So get your questions ready. I'm excited to serve you all this evening. And let's get right into it. We're going right to the chat section. Christopher, what's up, fam? Rose, Alexander, I'm finally catching one of these. Yay, we're glad to have you, Rose. India, Indria. Hey, Coach. Christina, what's going on? Pink October, what's going on? Season of Destiny. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, fam. Be blessed. Cassandra, how you doing? Nick, Antoine, what's up, fam? Just, just J&Y. Hey, Coach from Mass, Massachusetts. Thank you for coming. Uh-oh, Nick got the first question. Should you pray out louder in your mind because words have power when you speak them, but demons may hear your out loud prayers? I mean, um, prayer is, I mean, the cool thing about prayer is that, you know, the Holy Spirit is within you. So you don't really have to necessarily pray out loud. If you're in a place where um, you can't really uh, be uh, vocal or verbal, but you hear, you feel an unction to pray, nothing wrong with praying inside because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Now, there's benefit in praying out loud because words do have power. When we're talking about, um, Speaking of those things that be nice, though they were uh, uh, casting down uh, um, demonic plots and schemes, their words do have value and they do have um, weight to them um, verbally. But there's nothing wrong with praying inside. The Holy Spirit is there. He's inside of you. So if you pray in your mind, especially strategically, as you may be around, maybe are around a family member, you may be able to witness something that you know you need to pray for. And instead of speaking out loud, you could pray on the inside or under your breath uh, uh, to be strategic with your prayers in regards to who's close and, and whatnot. So there's some strategy um, to both. Strategy internally is to, to be strategic and to be um, 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 able to pray for people even in their midst. And also vocally, where you able to um, declare and, and, and be able to exercise through verbal, through the word of God, um, 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 those kind of things. But God is not too far that you have to yell. Um, he's inside of you. So any kind of prayer is a benefit. Good question, though, fam. How do you properly manage seasons of trial? Ooh, good one. How do you properly manage season of trial? A trial is a testing period. A trial is a series of tests to prove um, the validity of something. Some every Each and every one of us have to go through a trial period. Trial period is when we're tested, where we're developed, where we're pruned, where we're measured to see where um, what... <clears throat> where we can get a visual and where we are in life. A lot of people don't like trials, but trials are necessary. I'm Who I am today is based upon the fruit of the trials that I went through, that I'm glad God tests me, that, that he's put me through the ringer and he's put me through different trials and tests to, to prove me um, to the naysayers, to prove me to the demonic realm, to prove uh, myself to myself that the God that works inside of me is well able um, to use me to do uh, mighty works. And so the cool thing about trials is that when God is bringing you through a trial, now there's different things. There's a difference between 
um, temptations and trials or temptations and tests. A temptation is only temptation based upon your consent. And what I mean by that is you're only tempted based upon what's in you. It, it It's a temptation when it moves the sin in you. It is a test when it moves the sanctification in you. See, what happens with tests, tests is trying to uh, test your faith so they can get stronger. Uh, it's trying to test your long suffering so it can get stronger. It's trying to test your self-control so it gets stronger. Now, when something comes in your life, it's either a test or temptation, but all of them are being overseen or governed by trials. There's a period of season where you have to be tested for the next season and, and, and you can't escape it. If you endeavor to get married, there's trials you're going to go through your singleness. If you endeavor to be a pastor or be in a ministry, there's certain trials that you got to go through to prove you worthy. The best, the, the fruit of a trial is a humble heart. The goal of God is to make sure that your heart is humble enough, sensitive enough, yielded to God enough to be able to do um, the work that God has for you to do. So trials are a part of life. That's right. Swaggy D trial builds character. It builds you into the person that God has predestined for you to be. It builds you up into the person that God has purposed you to be and is necessary. Now, and how to make a trial shorten or to shorten the length of a trial is to cooperate with the trial, is to is to fight the, the resistances that may try to get you out of the trial or to try to make you fall into the traps um, that the devil try to uh, slide in as you go through that trial period. And trials are easy to recognize. You know what season you're in. You know you're in a pruning season. You know you're in a stripping season. You know when you're in a season where God is shaping and molding you. And based upon your understanding of God's word, <clears throat> And based on your understanding of how God does things, you will cooperate with the trial period and you will be proven tested, trustworthy and able to manage the things that God wants you to manage. You see what I'm saying? Hope to help. Let me scroll up, make sure I answer your question thoroughly. Oh, man, great questions. Y'all. I already see some. How do we properly manage seasons of trial? Now, how do you properly manage them? You manage a trial period by asking the Holy Spirit first to deepen your discernment. And discernment comes with your fellowship. Discernment comes with you um, building your sensitivity by stripping away all contradictory systems, contradictory systems like TV shows, music, friends, family, different influences. You remove those contradictory uh, systems so that your sensitivity can be strengthened, so that you're able, so that your sight will be clear enough to recognize um, um, what's out there in the world, so that you will be able to recognize the season that you're in. Now, when you recognize the season, the management comes in when you're able to say, okay, let me think two to three moves ahead. The, because the more you know God, the more you know yourself. The more you know yourself, the more you know your purpose. The more you know your purpose, the more you know what to prepare for. And so when you know your purpose and you know that in order to be, in order to manage or steward this place of purpose, I have to be a certain person that matches that purpose, then you will understand why the trials are necessary. So when you then get to a place of fellowship with God and you'll Sensitivity has been strengthened and you're able to see uh, um, seasons clearer, then you will be able to say, okay, I see the purpose of this trial. So therefore I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to utilize uh, my resources and tools. Even though I'm being tested, the test that I'm going through in this period of trial is an open book test. And, and you're able to, you're able to ask the, the teacher questions. The beautiful thing about us believers, we got the cheat code. We're able to go to our word in, in our um, syllabus, in our book, 
in our curriculum and say, okay, how did Jesus handle this? Let me find out what the word of God says about this. And you can actually apply the scriptures, the answer to the, the situation that you're going against or apply the scriptures to strengthen you as you continue to be applicable in the season that you're going through. And then when you got the Holy Spirit, you can pause and pace yourself. There's no need to rush through the trial period. Just sit there and, and sit in it, discern it, seek the word about it, seek the Holy Spirit about it and manage it because you already have the mindset that is understanding enough to realize that this season is purposely developing me for the next place. That's where you're able to separate what's a self-inflicted trial and what's a, a divinely sent trial. A self-inflicted trial is you're, you're practicing sins and the consequence that comes from it. Now you have to go through a trial period of being healed, a trial period of, of healing the unnecessary, cleaning the unnecessary. And a lot of us are going through periods unnecessarily because we're practicing things that's compared pounding on top of us, unnecessary um, consequences. And then now that is testing our resilience is that is adding an unnecessary weight. So that's my advice on that. You manage it. You by fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you manage it by taking your time and understanding your purpose and who you are. And then you will be able to figure out from there. Great questions, y'all. Good day, coach. Praying God's best for you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Annie B, good night, coach. Good night to you too. K. Ellis, hey, coach. Pink October, thanks for your lives. No problem. This my, this my heart. My heart is to serve you all. Raw Scallop says, hey, coach, how do I get more of a desire to pray? It's hard for me to pray consistently. I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, prayer is a conversation. And unfortunately, in the world that we live in, um, we don't understand what true companionship is. Conversation is birthed out of companionship, that the more I commune with the Father, the more I get to know him, the easier conversation becomes. Um, when you really care about somebody, you really love somebody, nothing can really keep you from communicating with them. Communication is the glue that keeps relationships together. And when you understand that God is a person and not a machine, that's the difference. Many of us look at God as a machine so that we we, we so we our prayers are very mechanical because we think God is machine that we think that we have to pray a certain kind of way using big words and big phrases being mechanical with our prayers because we think that God is a machine but when you treat God like a person and you get to know him in a personal way then your prayers follow suit now your prayers become a little bit more personable now you begin to feel the heart of God. Now you begin to feel the sensing and the un unction of the Holy Spirit. You begin to um, communicate with him like you would any other person, but with a little bit more reverence. You see what I'm saying? Reverence must be the foundation of your communication. See, <clears throat> and people look at that as like that, um, um, like uh, I got to be super uh, um, tight and, and holy. No, I... I, my conversation with my wife burst from my reverence of her. I respect, I honor who she is. Therefore, my conversations are safe. My communication is gentle. My communication is 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 vulnerable because of I, I respect her position in my life. There's a certain level of reverence that I have for her because God selected her for me. If I have that kind of reverence for my wife, imagine the reverence that I have for the Heavenly Father. And in that reverence, I understand that he's a safe place. I understand he knows me better than anyone else. I understand that he's a present help in a time of trouble. I understand that he has all the wisdom that I need. So why not communicate with him? 
So when you treat God like a person and not like a machine, then prayer becomes as easy as, as you communicating with your closest friend. So the reason why the devil makes it, oh, and I don't like to say the devil because he's not omnipresent. The reason why this system and his demons and individuals who are in, in, in cahoots with him makes it harder, hard for people to pray is because he wants to get in your mind to look at God as a, as a, as a machine that you have to be holy. What I mean by holy, you have to be perfect and that you have to No, God says, come to me. If you tired, come to me. If you sad, come to me, communicate with me. But it all begins with understanding God as a person. What I will advise you to do is to look up 10, just, just say 10, the top 10 attributes of God. And go to the website that has scriptures that support the attributes. And I want you to get to know God because the more you get to know him, the more you begin to recognize him in your day to day life. The more you begin to recognize him in your day to day life, the more you begin to acknowledge him in your day to day life. The more you begin to acknowledge him in your day to day life, the more you begin to see the fruit of it, which will give you a deeper hunger and a deeper trust and a deeper faith to him. That communication will be consistent then. You see what I'm saying? The more you get to know God as a person over him as you think or most people think as a machine, the more you'll begin to understand that he is just as a person like anyone that we encounter with. Even our, our even our, our uh, family members or those that we love, he's that kind of a person. You see what I'm saying? And so, hey, coach, how do I get more of a desire to pray? <clears throat> Your desire develops out of discipline. You can't go off a of desire. Discipline, um, You first you start off with a desire to do something, but then you have to, the engine, the fuel to anything is discipline. You know what I'm saying? There are certain things in my marriage I don't feel like doing. Do I you think I do you think I always feel like talking to my wife? Do you think I always feel like it? But because of who she is in my life, there are things that I have to do intentionally, even when I don't feel like doing them, in order to make it a, a more part of my life. My wife grew up from a big my wife grew up in a big family. I grew up in a small family. She was the baby of three sisters. I'm the only child. So there's different dynamics. So we have to be intentional with certain disciplines to bridge the gap and find the common ground through the Holy Spirit leading us there. And the same as with God, we got to get out of our ourselves and grow and mature and understand what friendships are. This social media era has really warped our minds when it comes to relationships, friendships, etc. So everything is a machine. Everything's a phone. Every person feels like the only time we communicate is through a device. We got to get rid of our devices or our vices and get into a place where we treat God like the person that he is. That's how you build consistency by being consistent, even when you have contradictory feelings in the moment of prayer. But knowing that those contradictory feelings could be demonic attacks, it could be two things, a lack of discipline and demonic attacks. Lack of discipline is a lot of people and to some people, demonic attacks. And that's why I tell people when you find it the hardest to pray, pray your hardest. You have about a 20 second window. When you feel that resistance, press in. And I promise you between 20 seconds and two minutes, that demonic resistance will leave and you will burst into a, 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 a moment with God that's that's very tangible. And, and I want to say addicting, but it sits with you. The enemy doesn't want you to feel that unique presence of God. See, see churches have experiences. Those who 
encounter God, have encounters with him. You see what I'm saying? And so people have a facade of God's experience, but the devil, that's why the devil loves to surround church with music and entertainment so that you can have the, the, the musical goosebumps that are conjured up through the music and certain tones and certain frequencies that makes you feel like God is there when God is not even most inside most of these churches. But when you really get to know God and feel him in a tangible way, it's probably the, it is the greatest feeling a human can ever find, a greatest level the greatest level of ecstasy that a person can ever feel. And when you feel that, like I felt that, you'll talk to them as often as you can because you know that's the source of wisdom. He's the source of life. And the next thing you know, you'll be communicating with God all day. You don't got to be all deep. Just talk to him. If you're sad, talk to him. If you're angry, vent to him. If you're happy, celebrate with him. You see what I'm saying? That's how, that's how I roll and that's how we all should. How do you heal from the ego when it's generational? Good question. Ego is just overly, um, ego, how can I put ego? Ego is a part of the human nature where a person has either a false ex, a false, uh, idea of themselves. There we go. That, that ego, most uh, ego, when it's in a negative way is the rooted in insecurities that, uh, the ego is the shell that protects our insecurity. So we have this ego. We put this facade up. We put this uh, demeanor up. That's not really us. And it's interesting. We all do it. <clears throat> when you find yourself in certain circles, you have to. And that's why I'm glad God healed me from that. I used to be the type of guy that um, that. Uh, 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 especially in sports where I had to prove myself. I had to prove that I was this and I had to prove that I was that in the ministry. I had to prove that I was this, I had to prove that I was that. And I realized that's all ego, Josh, that's all insecurities. And so how to break that generational effect of ego is to realize that you're nothing without God. That crushes ego. When you realize that you're nothing without God, that you there's in him that you live, move and have your being, that you that you are not able to do anything out of him, it crushes your ego. It crushes that carnal side of it. But then what comes from that is a Christ confidence. When you begin to get to know God for yourself, you no longer have ego. You have that, that divine confidence, knowing that I am capable to do it exceptionally above um, um, what, 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 what other people can because of the help that's in me. So what you have to do is get a sheet of paper and write down uh, who am I, who, what am I trying to prove and who am I trying to prove it to? What am I trying to prove? Who am I trying to prove it to? And why am I trying to prove it? What am I trying to prove? Who or what group am I trying to prove it to? And why am I trying to prove it? When you begin to see your heart on a sheet of paper and you look at Christ and you look at how the word of God gives us the example of how we're supposed to be, it humbles you. It makes you want to work on those areas. It makes you alert and helps you recognize when you are egotistical and when you like that. And 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 no, today's the last day that you make an excuse that it was because of your dad or whoever. It's the, today's the last day for you to make an excuse on that. Now you have to make execution. Execution is a double entendre. Execution means I have to execute that part of me. I have to kill it. I have to be intentionally killing it every day when it rises. And I have to execute in the systems and the procedures <clears throat> that's going to help me be the person I need to be. Um, um, to, to, to grow beyond that. You see what I'm saying? So execution, I got to kill that part of my flesh and I have to execute the right things to ensure that I grow into a better person. Ego is just a false, 
uh, uh, idea a person has about themselves when all actuality, those ideals of their of them as an individual is protecting their insecurities. And usually people who got to prove themselves and show themselves really don't know themselves. Hope they help. Great question. Janessa says, based on your knowledge of soul ties and the Bible, do you believe it is a biblical non is do you believe it is biblical for non-virgins to marry? Is that adultery? Um, I mean, God forgives. God forgives. And and um the only reason why divorce was uh implemented because the heart the heart, the hardness of the hearts of men. Um but when it comes to two non-virgins, man, God, God can renew. If any man be in Christ is a new creature, old things are passed away and behold, all things are be, are become new. And if that scripture applies to everything, then it applies to that area too. So it doesn't matter what your sins of the past are. Just like Jesus told the individual says, go and sin no more, lest something worse come upon you. And so the goal is if you recognize that, hey, I, I have, uh, I'm, um, I'm not, uh, I don't have self-control in that area. What you got to do is, is give the area over to God, um, uh, ask God for accountability, implement boundaries and systems, and really intentionally attack that area aggressively in your life through the help of the Holy Ghost and, and forgive yourself, have amnesia. You know, have amnesia. Yeah, you made a mistake. Yeah, you may not be a virgin. Now you got a young man or young woman that you in entertaining or you feel God is leading you to be with. Don't allow those condemnations to be in your mind because of what you did in your past. God is making all things new. He's turning everything around for your good because you love him and you're called according to his purpose. And if those two things are evident in your life, you have nothing to worry about, uh, especially in your past life. Hope to help. So two non-virgins can marry for sure. Um I, I'm looking at scripture. I, I did some study on that scripture, but I, I mean, I had a long day. I can't really process it at the moment to articulate in a way that I help you understand what the scripture talks about when a man marries a woman that's been divorced, all that kind of stuff. But I'll study it and I'll probably, um, I know I'm gonna get that question again and I'll give an answer soon. Christopher says, how do I humble myself and stop pride? Um, <clears throat> the best way that I have done in my life to eliminate pride when it comes up is I do not, I make sure that if I find myself in a place where I can be prideful or I feel pride rising <clears throat> and pride want to take me on a ride, you see what I'm saying, of ego and whatnot, I immediately look up. I do this all the time. I look up and I say, see, yep. Because if I compare my life horizontally, I either I'm either puffed up in pride or I'm pushed down in depression. Because there's always going to be somebody better or uh, not as not as good as you, and no matter where you are in life. Because if you if you always look horizontally and look at your brother over here and look at your sister over here, you're always going to find yourself either in pride or you're going to find yourself in depression. You see what I'm saying? But when you compare yourself vertically, you compare yourself to a holy God, it will keep you humble. But it, but that humility is not birthed out of out of uh, condemnation. It is birthed out of recognizing that that. Yes, I'm humble, but in that humility, I have help to hit the mark. I have the help of the Holy Ghost to help me do what I can't do without him. So I never compare myself. And every time I find myself online and I see a, a preacher or I see somebody, whatever, if I find myself, because sometimes I have weak moments, when I find myself in those weak moments, I always look up and say, that's right. Keep my eyes on things that are above. The best way to, to humble yourself 
is to humble yourself by comparing yourself vertically. You will you will do yourself a disservice always looking at other people, looking at what other people have, because most of us will find people that we are above to keep ourselves above. We'll always try to find somebody to keep our pride at a certain level when all actuality that's only self-seeking and is only temporary. But when you compare yourself to God, it humbles you. And when you look inside of yourself, and you see the Holy Spirit as your help. It will help you go forward in the hope that you have in God and not the hope that you have in yourself and your own ability. You see what I'm saying? So and you also got to understand that, hey, the scripture is very profound. It's very clear. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I have to make sure it is better for you to humble yourself than to be humbled. And being humble and humbling yourself is not easy. But when you're practically in God's word and you see how Jesus handled his haters and how Jesus handled people that the Samaritan woman and and the, and the woman at the, at, the, at the well and see how he dealt with people that was beneath him from a cultural standpoint, then, then it shows you how to handle yourself and how to carry yourself amongst other people to stay humble because in humility, you're able to see things a little bit differently than pride. Pride is blinding. Humility gives you clear sight. Hope that helps. Season of Destiny says, I've been distracted by social media. What can I do to discipline myself in fulfilling my goals and purpose without getting on social media? You have to understand that um, social media um, came on the scene to warp the human experience, to warp human interaction, and to cause us to become uh, machines that that will lend lend itself to this machine, the world system, to make us slaves. And when you understand that, you'll understand that twenty to forty years from now, people will look at phones like they look at cigarettes. They'll look at phones like I can't believe that you that you even entertain that for hours on end because of the cancers and the different things that's going to be birthed in people because they got their phones too close to their head. They keep their home or phones in their hands. All this five. All these different things that's a technology that's affecting us is warping, is desensitizing us as humans, keeping us from being empathetic. That's why you think why you think the Bible says in the last days people will be lovers of themselves. They'll be after sensuality. They'll be they'll be caught up in this world because the best way to do it <clears throat> is to, to is to uh, ensure people are um, are addicted or are uh, servants to likes and followers and, and digital uh, um, um, admiration right? or cause depression due to the lack thereof. And so when your life is based upon the acceptance of others, the like of others, the shares and retweets of others, the double taps of others, and versus the one that double taps your heart every day to make sure it beats, the one that double taps your life to make sure you wake up every day, when you are more social with the device than you are with the divine, you will never find yourself in line to the will that he has for you. And so the best way um, to get yourself in a position where you're not uh, uh, so caught up in it is to set limits, to have accountability, is to recognize, like for me, social media is only for service. If I didn't have a ministry, I wouldn't be on social media. If I didn't have an unplug, if I didn't do YouTube lives, if I didn't have people that look up to me or people that, that honors the word that God has placed in my life and how the Holy Spirit ministers through me, I wouldn't be online because I actually care about family. I actually care about the father. I actually care about um, being faithful in my local church above social media. And even there's times where I have to be very careful because social media is just that addicting. And you got to just set timers and really look at the purpose of your life. 
When you look at that screen time at the end of your week, look at that and compare that to the hours you spent with God. And that should do something to you. That must that's not, that shouldn't be condemning. That should just be clarity. It should be like, you know what? God deserves more of me. I need to be more social with God. I need to be more connected to him because it's in that 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 you're able to be impactful in the in the community or the circle that God has you in. So let's get practical. I've been distracted by social media. What can I do to discipline myself and fulfilling my goals and purpose without getting on social media? What I do is I put my Bible or or I try to, I, well, it's been, it's, it's, I don't even do it now because it's such a habit for me where I don't check my social media until I've checked in with God. You have to be intentional with that. Check in with God before you check your social media. No, 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 no. Check in with God. Check in with your family. Check in uh, then check in whatever you want to check in after that. Check in with them. Make sure everybody's good. Make it make it an intentional practice where you check in with things that are more valuable than the people that may ever, may never meet you. It's crazy how we do all these things for people who can care less about us deeply. Doing stuff for people who ain't gonna do nothing for you. You see what I'm saying? And so practically. You just got to, you you know yourself. I can't, I can only give you what I did. There was a time where I put my Bible between my phone so that if, if I even reach beyond my Bible for my phone, that's a check for me, Josh. Look what you're reaching over. Come on, Josh. You're going to reach over your Bible. I may not read my Bible at the time, but the fact that I'm reaching over something divine for a device that's a distraction. It did something to me. Sometimes you got to see yourself doing things for it to register in your mind. So that so the more you do that, it becomes second nature for you. And then you become a person that says, oh, I ain't checked my phone in hours. Oh, I ain't even checked in on this in a long period of time. And that's when you begin to see yourself growing in a discipline. But you got to be intentional. Get a sheet of paper and write down. <clears throat> I want you to write down um, the hours you spent on social media last week. I don't know how you check it. I know it pops up on my phone at the end of the week, but I don't know how you get in your settings. I want you to look at the hours you spent on your phone. I want you to look at every app and I want you to ask yourself why, why was I on that app for a period of time? Was it because I was checking in on the X? Was, was it because I was checking in on haters? Was it because I was trying to prove other people wrong? Is it because I, I just didn't, I had too much idle time? I want you to look at every single device and write down the who, what, when, where of beside the device. So you'll be able to recognize the vanity. You'll be rec- you'll be able to recognize um, the, the, the insecurities on why you were on that app for a period of time. My biggest app use is YouTube because I'm always, studying i'm always especially apologetics videos you see what i'm saying or 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 like i like i like listening to the good guys podcast i know it's my podcast and me and brandon's but i love listening to it you see what i'm saying but but that's the longest app that i'm on but i always check in why was i on that longer for a long period of time especially if it's a week where i'm on there longer but especially when you look at the instagram your facebook's your uh your uh snapchats your your tiktoks your all that stuff who, why was I on this for a period of time? Who is on here that I'm checking on? Who go to the search box and look at all the people that you always checking on. And then you'll see your heart and you'll be like, you know what? This person doesn't deserve an hour per day of my time. This app doesn't deserve an hour and 45 minutes of my time. I'm going to intentionally um, take the apps off my phone. 
I'm on, uh, you develop a system, start small because the withdrawal peers are going to be there because we have already been programmed to check our pockets. That person's phone vibrating. You felt it in your pocket, in your, in your pocket. You thought it was you. So give yourself some space. Say, you know what? I'm only going to check my social media when I, when I, on my lunch break, or I'm only going to check my social media once, uh, at this part of the day. And, and talk to somebody that you trust to hold you accountable and be honest. You see what I'm saying? And so that's what I would do. That's what I've done. And it really puts things in perspective. And it, the perspective bursts patterns that helps me to be a little bit more productive with my time instead of being idle in my time. And if you find yourself that you're idle with your time and you're like, Josh, I just, I'm on social media because I have nothing to do then you got to get to know the one who knows who you are and your purpose and get productive in it. I have too much to do to be online all day. I have too much to do. I have too much to get done. I have too many aspirations to be on a device that ain't making me any money. You see what I'm saying? Now, if I'm out there making money off the device, best believe I'm on it. But if, but if I'm just on there, just scrolling, my thumbs get more of a workout than all the rest of the fingers and typing, that my thumbs get more workout than any other part of my body, then something ain't right. But when you see yourself on paper and the embarrassment sets in, it's nothing wrong with embarrassment. I wouldn't even say embarrassment, but when the truth sets in, the truth will set you free. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. So that truth will set you free so you can be able to walk in the truth that God has for you. Hope that helps. Got time for maybe two or three more and I'm done. Um, Andrea says, hey, coach, how do you know if you made a decision out of the flesh or God? I'm talking to a gentleman that I heard his that I heard his name through prayer. And I was wondering if I'm in the in the will of God, even though I heard his name. Um, a lot of people have that name. Um, I don't know the guy's name, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that have that name. And you don't know why you heard that, because in prayer, sometimes we don't realize just how carnal our prayers are. I'm not talking about you. Just hear me. Sometimes when we pray, we don't realize that we're praying amiss, that we're praying to consume of our own lust. And sometimes in our prayers, we think that we're being genuine. But in all actuality, we're just praying what's already in our heart. We're praying our feelings. We're praying how we feel about a matter. And sometimes when you already have feelings about someone and you pray about that person, you don't know that you don't know why that name popped in your head. It could have popped in your head. Number one, because uh, that you thought about him all day could have popped up in your head demonically as a distraction or to get you to connect that individual with the time in prayer um, so that you can get become distracted and, and, and distracted in your prayers to the point to where you're praying to God about selfish things versus uh, uh, in, uh, deepening your sanctification, uh, growing in, in spiritual things, understanding scripture deeper, being a servant in intercession with other people. That's what you got to be careful of. Now, if this is God, and God is did put that name in your heart. This is what I will advise you to do. Put that individual on the shelf and don't worry about them. Don't think about them. Don't worry about them. Don't consume yourself whether or not this man is the one for you or not. Don't even worry about it. What you need to do is to make sure you go through a soul detox to make sure that you don't have no soul tie with the person. Now, the question is, Josh, how can you have a soul tie with the person that you may not have been sexual with? You don't have to be sexual with the person to be soul tied to them. There's a lot of people who are fans to celebrities, never had sex with them, but they're soul tied with them because they allow their mind to become overly indulged with the idea of that person, that their mind, which is a part of their soul, has thought on them so much that it conjured up feelings to wrap themselves 
themselves around the idea of that person and the thought of that person causing a tie to them. So what you have to do is make sure that you go through a soul detox. And, and I'm not even only going to call it soul detox, but to go through a, a some level of detoxification where you really begin to process your emotions, your feelings. When did you feel that feeling? When did that person's name popped up in your head? Um, when did this occur? Um, and and then you will begin to see clearly whether or not it was a decision from the flesh or it was a decision from the divine. Right. And th that boils down to the detoxification of your soul. How do you detox your soul? You detox your soul by, number one, uh, writing down all of your thoughts, all, all of your dominant thoughts and your dominant feelings. And I want you to write down, why do I think about this? Or why do I feel the way I feel about this? Then you get a standard. You have to have a standard in the process of detoxification of your soul. The standard must be the word of God. That Everybody has a standard that determines how they think, that determines how they feel. We got to go to the highest standard, the, more sol the most solid standard, which is the word of God, and then begin to write down the scriptures and, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you with the nuances to connect with scriptures in the word of God so that you're able to say, you know what, is this thing pure? Is this thing lovely? Is this thing of a good report? Is this commendable? Is this honorable? Is this thinking on things that are above? Is Because God is not going to send something in your life that's going to distract you from him. So if it's more of a distraction, then it's probably less that it was sent by the divine and it's more from your desires. You see what I'm saying? So you know it's a God thing when, when, when you hear it and you feel it, but you still love God more than it. When you hear it, see it, sense it, feel it, but that thing can't even come. You know it's God when it's easy for you to throw it away. Okay, God, cool. If that's for me, cool. If it's not cool, when the, the quicker and the easier you are to put it on the shelf, the more you know that is of God. But if but if it's got you all in your feelings, it got you emotional, got your thoughts running, got you to the point where you ain't read your Bible in days, you ain't prayed in days, then it's more of a demonic thing more than a divine thing. You know it's a divine thing when it doesn't distract you. You know it's a demonic thing when it does distract you, okay? So Go through that soul detox, write down every thought, write down every emotion, write down why you think, why are you thinking about that? Why are you feeling that? Get a standard, which is the word of God and compare that thing to it. Meditate on the word and contradictory to those thoughts and feelings. Reverse engineer your thoughts by saying the reverse of it or allowing your mind to be more productive on the things of God so you can be distracted by the things of man so that you're able to then find your feelings started easing out. Because you got a higher standard as a riverbank. Now your emotions are not flooding over into your life, but you got a you got an embankment now. You got a standard now that when you, when the waters rise, it can't rise above your standard. And when your mind has been renewed and your perspectives are settled, then your emotions subside. And then after you have made this a habit, then you're able to recognize the difference between what's deep inside of you, what's demonic, or what's divine. Hope that. You got it. You got it. It don't matter where you heard his name. You know what I'm saying? It could have been. It could have been from indigestion. It could have been by you thinking on him too much. It could be a lot of different things. Good question, because a lot of people need to hear that. Uh, let's see. Let me see here. 
Great questions, y'all. Based on knowledge and sometimes in the Bible, do you believe it's biblical? Okay, here we go. I found a spot. Hey, coach, how do you know if you made a decision? Okay, here we go. Uh, Naya says, how to deal with an emotional detachment from a guy who I wasn't in a relationship with, but we did kiss and have a situationship. Um, like I said, for the young lady above, um, you have to go through a detox. You got to go through uh, a divine detox. And, and, and what happens is, like I said, you can be soul tied to a person from various different ways. You don't even, you don't even gotta have be, uh, have sexual intercourse to be soul tied to him. It could be just as simple as a kiss. It could just be simple as a conversation. It could be simple as a situationship. You see what I'm saying? So how do you deal with the emotional detachment is to reattach yourself back to God and your purpose. That's what's going to help because the more you're productive in your purpose, the less time you have to think about them, the less time you have chance to feel emotions about them. And that, that helps you over time because you have something else to occupy that space and time instead of thinking about the individual. But the clearest way practically outside of the word of God, outside of fellowship with the father, is like I said, pen and pad, write down the person, write down the, the, the pros and the cons, write down why y'all not together and keep that around you. So when you have a weak moment or whatever, you can go back to that list to the truth, to the to the valid reasons why y'all not supposed to be. Because what happens is if you leave everything in your heart and mind, if you leave everything to swim in there, insignificant things feel more significant. Significant things feel even more insignificant. And, and there's no justification. There's no standard there. But when you put all of that on paper and you visually see, wow, I'm tripping, tripping. Wow. Like I'm wasting my energy and time on this joker. I'm wasting my time with a person I just gave a little lip to, man. It does something to your mind because you took that, you put that, you took that fish out of his, out of his, out of his, out of the water of your mind and put it and watch it flap on paper. And then you realize, ah, this thing was supposed to die, but it doesn't die until you take it out of the water of your mind. Some of us got toxic fish swimming in our minds and it's toxin and it's causing toxins to be in the pure water of our soul. You got to get that fish out, that fish, that toxic fish, those toxic parasites out on paper and look at it and say, you know what, this thing, this little small parasite, this little small fish, this thing that was big in my mind, but really, you know, when you look into a fish tank, a fish looks bigger than what it really is because the glasses, when you take it out, you realize how small the fish was. That's how it is when you take those parasitic, uh, toxic fish out of your mind and put it on paper and see it for what it really is. And then you'll be like, you know what? I shouldn't even be so consuming this person. And then secondly, then you begin to say, you know what? To ensure that the door slammed here, I'm going to be more productive in my time, I'm gonna be more productive in my purpose because the more you get consumed with your purpose, the more the more you begin to recognize who cannot be a part of it. You see what I'm saying? So, good question. Let's keep let's keep going. Trial builds care. That's right. I'm glad too. Right, good, good, good. And for those who's watching now, do me a big favor, man. Share this video out to your friends and family. Feel like this is a be a benefit to them, a blessing. And if y'all can do me a big favor, like the video, share it, and because it helps the video, it helps the channel grow, so that we can reach more people. Let's keep going. Pink October says, battling with your flesh is very hard. It is. How can I stay away from the physical things I'm not supposed to be a part of? It's really, it's really, like I said before, writing it down on a sheet of paper and saying why I should stay away from it. Why I should stay away. Now, 
emotions is what makes things complicated because you had a significant moment that produced a significant memory that's now produced significant momentum. Significant momentum is significant motion, significant emotions. You see what I'm saying? So the enemy loves us to be careless with our life because in carelessness, in carelessness, we, we, we walk into significant moments. Significant moments is when you can remember the time, the place, the color of the carpet, depending on the wall. You can remember the, the time of day when that moment occurred. You, All of us can remember every significant moment of life to a degree. That significant moment then births a significant memory. And that's the number one thing the enemy uses against because he knows that most of us does, do not know how to remember correctly. One thing about a memory, you cannot unmemorize it. You can't unmemory it. You, you're going to always remember it the, through the the Holy Spirit and renew of the mind, he changes the way you remember the memory. You see what I'm saying? But if you never renew your mind in that area, that memory becomes as fresh as the moment that it happened, right? And so when you have a significant memory, it produces significant motion or emotion or significant momentum that leads to significant movements that causes another significant moment and then compounds itself on top of each other, causing even more confusion, causing even more distractions, causing even more issues, right? And so in order to get over those different things, you got to cipher through to the facts, facts over feelings. When you look at feelings and you allow feelings to be your dominant nature and not the mind of Christ, the truth of God, the truth and the common sense of life to be the, the, the forefront of everything you do, then you're not going to be successful. Right. And so you'll, if you feed your flesh, your flesh will lead. Whatever you feed most will lead most. So you got to say, what am I feeding most in my life right now? And what you got to do is you got to you got to like like what caused me to stop eating certain things when I realized what the chemicals cause, when I begin to realize what the contradictory thoughts cause, the artificial ingredients cause. When you begin to look at that and you care about purpose, you got to have something beyond you greater than what's beneath you. You got to have something greater beyond you. Purpose is what drives you to greater productivity. It's purpose that wants to pull you towards perfection and it'll make you get rid of certain things that's causing uh, pain and pressure and, 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 and causing all this unnecessary there's, and that's unnecessary stuff in your life. So when you see sin for what it really is, this is what you got to do to your sin. You got to turn the sin around and look at the and look at the ingredients on the back. You got to look at the uh, table in the back. You got to look at okay, how many tables of, of sugar? You know how many grams of sugar in this thing? How many carbs in this thing? How many trans fats in this thing? You know what I'm saying? Look at the ingredients. Look at all the artificial sweeteners, artificial ingredients of the sin. You'll begin to realize this thing is bad for you. Do you know how long it's been since I ate at McDonald's that I ate at certain places? Because when you recognize just how bad something is for you, you got to turn that sin all the way around, all the way around and read the ingredients, read what's in it. And when you see what's in it for what it really is and how it is in your life to steal, kill and destroy it, over time, it becomes easier to fight your flesh because you be like, your flesh knows no good thing. So I'm going to continue to fellowship in the Father so I can grow in spirit and truth and so that I can be a true worshiper and so that I can be able to work in the purpose that God wants me to work in. So battling your flesh is very hard. We make it harder when we are hard headed.
See what I'm saying? When we make it harder when we just we just want to do what we want to do and we're not willing. And so the more you keep doing things, the more those things compound and the heavier it becomes in your life. So now you got to make a decision. You got to say, Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for what for what the cross did for me and what it liberated me from. The gospel truth that your righteousness is now on me. So now I can come to you like, like I've never sinned because of what Christ did. And because of your work in my life, because of you, what you did on the cross, I'm now made clean because I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And with that being said, Father, now I'm asking you for your divine wisdom and insight and your divine support through your Holy Spirit to enable me to endure and to enable to me to, to, to create the right system surrounded with the right accountability. So I'm able to do what I need to do for you. You got to care about spiritual sanctification than a fat flesh. You got to care about your spirit being sharp. And it's not easy in a world that's sensual. It is not easy with a world that's vain. It's not. That's why you got to remove yourself. You in it, but you're not of it. You see what I'm saying? So when you understand that, um, you'll find yourself to progress in the area. Battling with your flesh is very hard. How can I stay away from the physical things I'm not supposed to be a part of? See those physical things for what they really are and be disgusted with it. Be disgusted. Pornography is disgusting. Sex outside of marriage is disgusting. You see what I'm saying? It's disgusting because of the destruction that it causes. You Things become disgusting when you see the destruction. You Things become disgusting when you see how it can destroy you and delay you. Aren't, you t- aren't we tired of being delayed? Aren't you tired of being single? The reason why a lot of people are single is because they're allowing themselves to practice things that's causing things to be denied or delayed. Aren't you tired of you not walking in a level of anointing, a level of power that destroys yokes? Aren't you tired of not being able to be the best version of yourself for the glory of God and for his purpose? So when you see the, the uh, uh, when you're disgusted with it, You only wanted to do it because you know this thing is destroying something. Get on the sheet, write that, write down the sheet of paper, the things you are doing, and then write down what those things that you're doing destroying. When you see that it's destroying significant things, I bet you you have a new desire to do it. You will have a new dependency on God because you know that you're incapable of doing it on your own because you're going to be like, Josh, I don't even know how to do That's when your dependency increase. And then from that desire, from that dependency, now you begin to see disciplines form and you begin to see things uh, uh, reestablishing themselves. Hope that helps. Maybe time for one more. Hey, coach, is 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 it biblical for someone to be remarried? Uh, I, if God can forgive all sins, God can forgive that. I think that scripture was more in a contextual situation. I think from what I remember, I don't even want to go by what I remember. I want to go by what I know. Uh, but if God can forgive all that, he can forgive that too. I think that verse was more of a uh, in-context situation culturally. But if not, um, I'm going to study it some more so I can make sure I get the right answer for that. Good question, because my first marriage wasn't from the Lord. So my next, I pray God give mercy for me to have one again. Yeah, God's going God's gonna to look out for you, man. I don't believe God's going to be like, oh, no, no, no. You messed up the first, first time. We're not going to, we're not going to, no, go, go, go. You know, we're going to let this happen again. Now, God is merciful. <clears throat> you just got to make sure you get out of the, you get the things out of you that re- may repeat the cycle. Simple as that. Nick Antoine said, also, what to do if you know what to do, but God hasn't told you specifically how to carry out the task? Should you just do it away for more specifications? Good question, Nick. Let me read it one more time because it got layers to it. Also, 
What to do if you know what to do, but God hasn't told you specifically how to carry out the task. Should you just go for it or wait for more specification? It just all depends. If it's something that you know that you're able to do with the right heart, then go do it because I'd rather you to I'd rather for you to do it and be and be delayed or do it and be restricted than to not do it and be released. Like you're not doing, I'm just going to release you. Do what you want to do. I'd rather for you to do something. And then as you go forward, the restrictions and your fellowship with the Holy Spirit will determine what you should do, right? So you got to go about leading the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God ain't going to give you all the details because, because he knows that, you know, some details are for later. Some details are determined for another point in, in time. So do do all of what you know to do. So that means you don't have to hear specifications about studying the word of God. You don't need extra specifications with, with preparing yourself for what you know that he preparing yourself for this, for the specific things he wants you to do. Right. And so, uh, also what to do if you know what to do, but God hasn't told you specifically how to carry it. Now I would not try to carry a church out. I wouldn't try to start a church. I wouldn't try to do nothing significant. I wouldn't try to start a ministry. I wouldn't try to start a family. I would not try to start anything significant at that level. But when it comes to less significant, but significant things, it has nothing wrong with starting those things, starting those things as studying the, the, the field, um, privately mastering your craft, uh, uh, um, um, increasing increasing time in prayer, like do those things. And the more you begin to do those things, the more clear the other things become. But I would not, there are certain things you just don't do without God. You don't start a family without specifications. You don't start a marriage without specifications. You don't start a ministry without specifications. You don't start a, a business without specific, well, uh, specifications. You don't start uh, a, a church without specifications. Don't do those stuff without feelings. Be so, if God can, if the same God that gave um, the builders of the tabernacle details, the uh, Noah, the details of the ark, the same God that give you details now. But if you haven't heard details for something bigger, don't do it. Do what you know that you know he has told you to do. But if you know you're supposed to do something, and God, you you got the knower and you know you're supposed to do it, then do it. But if it's something that you're unsure about, I will wait until you're sure. Good question, though, Nick. Jazz J and I'm done. I got maybe one more, two more and I'm done. How do you know if you're destined to be single? I've been begging God to place the right person in my path, but nothing is happening and I've been waiting for years. There's two things in your statement that is probably hindering you. It is that you've been, that you've been begging and that you've been waiting. Um, begging, asking, waiting are symptoms of someone that's waiting on their idol. And I'm, I'm not talking about you, but just hear me. When you're begging God over and over again about something, chances are you care about that thing more than God, because this is, don't, don't, don't take this hard, but hear my heart. The more you grow in maturity, the more you begin to realize the importance of only asking once. Only asking once, but uh, 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 praising him and praising God for later, because especially when it comes to a husband or a wife, what you need to do, I'm not saying what you need to do, but what you should do, this is what I would do in your situation. Um, number one, I would, I would ask why, why do I feel like I have to beg God and why am I begging? Um, why am I waiting? For this part of my life, because if you're waiting for a part of your life that's not there, then you're mismanaging the part that's there. You see what I'm saying? So when you're waiting for something to come, 
you're missing out on the opportunity of managing what's already came. And, and the person that already came was Christ and the Holy Spirit that indwells you has a work for you to do right now. So what I would do is I would begin to do a detoxification of your soul in the in regards to the idea of love, because right now, if that's what you want in life, I would not focus on begging. I won't focus on waiting. I will focus on working and building, building my character, personally developing myself. And, um, and, uh, uh, uh what was the other thing? Um, and working on my craft and working to be the wife, working to be the husband that I need to be. And that will make time shorten. When you constantly think about a thing or wait for a thing, five minutes feel like five hours. I'm telling you, when you're sitting in dead space and idle time looking at the clock, the same clock that spins when you're working and it's, it's the same clock that spins when you're waiting. But when you're waiting, you're watching. But when you're working, you're watching your work. And that's what makes time go by faster. So when you're working on yourself and you building yourself, time goes by faster. But when you're watching the clock and waiting and, and all that kind of stuff, time feels slow. So be productive in this season. Process your heart and why you want it so bad or why you want it or whatever. And then you'll begin to recognize, yo, man, it's, it's really not. I'm not really the person I need to be for that person. The moment you're honest, the moment you're honest with yourself is when you're the most, when you, when you are the most able to help yourself. But when you're dishonest with yourself, you distract yourself and focus on something that God is not going to bring. If you're in a begging state or a waiting state, God is not bringing it because there has to be maturity there. And that's cool. God will mature you, but you have to begin to recognize that time goes by faster when you when you are productive with it and when if you if you looking for it it's running from you when you look away from it it's looking for you i'm telling you whatever you focus on flees if you focus on something that that is not supposed to be in your life now it will flee it will be fleeting it will flee but when you focus on what you need to focus on that thing will come find you trust me hope you heard my heart on that and i pray that it helped you um, I got to go, y'all. Wife's home. Uh, love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I pray this uh, video was a blessing. Give it a thumbs up. Give it a share. Give it a like. Give it a comment. Let me know what you got from it. Uh, resources for those who have soul tie issues. This book that I wrote a year and a half ago, The Purpose of Freedom, book on soul ties and strongholds. If you're dealing with spiritual warfare, want to know more about the whole armor of God, this book, World War Me, it's the book that I wrote. If you are single, I got two books for singles. Um, if you single, not for single, for singles and couples. If you're a, a single person and you want to understand and become more whole, or if you're a married person and you feel like, man, I got holes in my life. I'm not really being a, a benefit to my significant other. I got a purpose on a, the purpose of singleness. Also got a book called Dating Prep. It's a book that uh, has a card game to go with it that helps you prep uh, for your courting relationship that you must date with them and uh, helps you also date the one that God, a, a certified God, certified significant other, and also the, uh, your husband or wife. It has a card game to go with it. All these resources are on my website. I type it in now for those who's in the chat. Is that I am unplugged.com. All those resources there, two uh, coaching 
um, two coaching uh, courses, uh, six books, two card games, and plus, and obviously on YouTube, fifteen hundred videos. Thank you guys so much for your support and love. Uh, merch at the bottom of the video. You can. Uh, we got t-shirts and stuff like that on the website as well. Our mentoring program starts in February. So if you love to support us financially with that, we'll appreciate you. Um, make sure you let us know that it's for Propel. If you just want to support what we do on this channel, thank you so much for that. Love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Um, I got a surprise. Not when they say a surprise, um, but I'm working on something for the singles. I'm working on, I'm working on something for y'all and it, it's going, it's going to be, it's going to be, um, a commitment of mine, um, to help you all, um, not as a know-it-all, but knowing the one that knows it all and, uh, utilizing life experience to help y'all. So I love you. Y'all be blessed. Uh, uh, see y'all time something at the bottom of the video. Y'all be blessed. Take it easy.